Let's get ready to rumble! Okay. We're getting sued now. (laughs) (laughs) Bags are tracks. We're gonna bring some vinyl down from the front to the back with bags on tracks. Welcome to Breaking Vinyl. I'm your host, Dez, a.k.a. Johnny. 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 Tonight, I'm joined by my three co-hosts. First up, the podcaster, coming through in high fidelity. Evil Ed. What's up, Ed? What's up, guys? How you doing? How are everybody doing out there? And the podcaster playing the deep cuts. Dangerous Dave. What is up? All right, and last but not least, the podcaster with a degree in rock and roll. Beaconstein. What's up, B? Not much. I hope everyone is well. I look forward to Fee's enthusiastic hello every fucking Saturday morning. I want to see how much less energy he can bring, and he never lets me down. There's a reason he's called Fee, because he's Felix Unger, man. This guy is most, like, borderline suicidal every day. I love it. I love, dude, I... I've been the biggest Fee and Stye fan since fucking episode one. So here we go. Um... As always, the mission of this podcast is for us to introduce each other and you, the listeners, to albums and bands which you may never have heard of before while also (coughs) discussing the classics. And on occasion, we will ruthlessly insult each other's musical taste. (laughs) We're getting some of that today. And Ed even insulted my grammar this morning. So sit back and enjoy the show. Tonight. We will be discussing the fourth studio album by King's X, self-titled King's X, produced by Sam Taylor, released on March 10th, 1992 by Atlantic Records. The album peaked at the 138 spot on the Billboard 200. The band's lineup was as follows. Doug Panic, bass and lead vocals. Panic. Penis? Panic. Again, let's go back to, is English your first language? Picnic. (laughs) Dave called him Picnic. Sorry, Ty God. Taylor, guitar and vocals, and John Gaskill on. Okay, can you please? Go <laughs> go. What is it? Pronounce these names. Go ahead. Run it down. There's only three guys. Doug Pinnock. Doug Pinnis. Okay. Keep Ty going. Tabor, Ty not Tabor. Taylor. Okay, Ty Tabor. And Jerry Gaskill. And Jerry Cantrell. Okay, we got it. Uh, (laughs) Did you like the Cantrell dig? Yeah. Okay, let's do some band facts. Um, Fact number one, I'll take it. King's X parted ways with their longtime producer and manager, Sam Taylor, after the recording of this King's King's X album was completed. And I personally think that was a good move because this album was in desperate need of a good producer. Dave, what do you got on this King's X album? All right. Uh, This was their first album for Atlantic Records. Two more would follow until they moved to Metal Blade Records in 1998. 
2022, Guitar World Magazine ranked this album number 15 on their list of the 30 greatest rock guitar albums of 1992. That's a very wow. specific list. Wow. <laughs> I went and looked up the rest of the list. It's kind of bullshit with bad rankings and what might be every rock album released in 1992 and some non-rock albums like the Beastie Boys. Oh, so I don't know God. how much that, that list oh. means of anything, but there it is. Um, so uh, Metal Blade Records, I'm guessing, is a smaller label than Atlantic? Absolutely, uh, yes. yes. Uh, so this this album pretty much finished their careers. No. Okay. Okay. They as had far a bigger like hit making, after this, didn't they? As far as making money as musicians, that this was the end. This album. They have like thirteen albums. Oh, so did White Snake. Uh, <laughs> Ed, give us some facts on this album. I'm gonna give you one fact. Okay. And that's just to piggyback off the previous argument we had before this podcast. Okay. <clears throat> Kings X have also been cited as influences or inspirations to numerous acts, such as. Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Smashing Pumpkins, Pantera, Dream Theater, some band named Skillet I never heard of, and a couple other people. I have no doubt that they influenced Skillet. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, never mind the other giant acts that you tried to say. Kings was copying. They were caught. Listen, listen. How before... can they copy a band? That okay. didn't exist when because these guys started writing music. I'm talking about this album in 1992. But you said that fucking Alice in Chains and fucking uh, Soundgarden were diapers when fucking this album came out. That's not true. No, I said they were in elementary school. They weren't. They were fucking making records. <laughs> Touring the world, making good no, records. I said when, I said when, Al when uh, Kings X came out, not this album. Okay, so let's pull the room. Let's pull the room. Who's a better singer? Doug Panic, Lane Stanley, or or Chris Cornell. Who's better? Chris Cornell's a phenomenal singer. Okay, so Chris Cornell's better than than uh, Doug Panic. Yes. yes. Okay, and who's better, Lane Stanley or Doug Panic? Uh, that that I. I Dude, do Lane Stanley's on. one of the greatest singers. You're out of your fucking mind. In, in grunge rock history, the guy is fucking phenomenal. It's a, it's you, dude. The way that's those, why Jerry Cantrell sings the majority of the lyrics. Yeah, no, I get it. Jerry Cantrell <laughs> sings a lot of the harmonies, and they sing so uh, well together. There's no crime in that. I uh, don't disagree. I love Alice in Chains. And I'm also gonna say <laughs> that listening to this album, there's two songs that I have no proof, but I suspect a different bandmate sang the lead vocal, and these you would are be the correct. Two, and well, this is the fucking direction they should have gone in. Doug Panic should have been the bass player, and whoever <laughs> sang those two good songs should have been the lead singer of King's X. No. <laughs> those yeah. were horrible. Those oh, were really? way worse. Doug, Doug's a good singer. Oh, that Doug other guy yeah. sucked. Oh, I love this podcast. <laughs> Fee, what do you got for band facts on this? <laughs> well, I, I more have a comment to start. Is can we all agree <laughs> that Doug Panic is better than Tyler? Um, from from Dogs Do More. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Technically no. a better singer. Technically, Technically a better singer. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. But and no that was a... flavor, man. It's like drinking what? a glass of fucking Avion water. <laughs> oh my god. This baby, not just a glass of Avion water, but a glass of Avion water that maybe sat in the back of your car in July too long, so you can you, taste a little you of might plastic. Be the, 
whitest, most generic person I've ever met. <laughs> it's you're certainly as white as your golf swing. Oh God! Oh, Listen, boy. I have long since retired from golf. You know this. Uh, uh, wait, you're you're going to get back out there. You okay. and I need need to get back out there. Okay, so <laughs> let's share our opening thoughts on this before we break it down. I will get us started. Um, so I want to front load this podcast by apologizing to Seamus. Seamus, I wanted to like this album. I had never heard it before, and I'm always looking for a new album. And I thought it was cool. I mean, you know, you got this singer, uh, definitely not like any other singer from the time. So I was really looking to see what he was going to do with the genre of music. I listened to it five times on the way to work. I get an hour commute all the way through. Then I listened to it this morning all the way through with my JBL headphones on just to make sure the production wasn't shit because my speakers in my car were shit, which they're not. I got a really great stereo. Uh, but it just wasn't for me. And that doesn't mean it's not a great album because it's critically acclaimed. So there's got to be something there I'm not seeing. Remember, I gave the dogs to more an 83.7. So oh. to each, yes. Yeah, so to each their own, to each their yes. own. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. It um, so I never listened to the album before preparing for the podcast, but after listening to it six times, my impression was it felt like a good local band that paid to record their own album with no producer to help refine the songs and no one to properly mix the album. The guitar tone was fucking horrible. Yep. And the lead vocals got a little wonky in spots and didn't sound totally professional to me. This guy sounded like a bass player first and a singer second. <laughs> and that's just how I heard it. I'm sorry, Dave. What were your opening thoughts, and had you ever heard this album all the way through before preparing for the podcast? All right. I have not heard this album before. I did hear the single Black Flag in the past. They had a video on MTV. Uh, no memories of the album, but I did get to meet Doug Pinnock in the early 2000s when I was working at Daddy's Junkie Music in West Springfield, Mass. Uh, he did an in-store appearance, and he was a very cool guy. Um, I don't get the album cover. <laughs> Uh, there's bread and wine on the table and a baby uncovering the band logo on the floor. Is is it is it some Jesus thing? I don't know. But yeah, it's 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 a weird album cover. They need something else. As Ricky Bobby would say, that's the baby Jesus. Okay. <laughs> the baby Jesus. <laughs> that's the baby Jesus right there. <laughs> okay. Um Ed, go to work. All right. I was introduced to King's X uh by this guy, Eric, that I uh, was trying to get into a band with probably when I was 15 years old. He had just moved up from Houston uh, and goes, dude, you got to check out this band from Houston. And it was King's X. He played me the first, I don't know if it was an EP or whatnot, but when I heard the vocals and heard the heavy sound of the music, I was in love because I'm like, I've never heard a band combine Beatlesque harmonies with that type of music. And it just, it blew me away. And ever since then, I've been a fan. Uh, I forgot to put on the noise reduction and the uh, other thing. God damn. And this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't <laughs> have nice things. Um, I say we just roll with it. I don't hear any problems. Do you guys hear yeah, any problems? Fine. No. Okay. All right. Sounds so okay here. this is, this podcast will be produced like the King's X album. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Okay, okay. Oh, my God. Um, shit. Uh, 
I, B, uh, go. I, I have not heard this album all the way through before this, but King's X does have about three songs that I really enjoyed, so I was super excited to to play this album all week. Um, like the, their their track over my head is amazing. Uh, you know, one of my I don't know that song just rocks for me. But uh, so so I was pumped up, and I was really pumped up to add a couple of their other tracks into some playlists I got going on. Uh, and that's I'll I'll leave that at that for now. So Ed, you need to do some setups. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, what? Who was playing music, and what was the song? Oh, sorry, that was me. And? Uh, I hit play accidentally on World Around Me. Yeah, you were listening to the dogs the more secretly. Definitely not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all right, so I think we got everybody squared away there. Um, so before we get into the tracks going to share another quick story with you. This is just a fast one. It has nothing to do with music, but I thought the uh, I thought the listeners might enjoy it. And going forward here, if anybody has a story they'd like to tell, by all means, go ahead. But it has to be, uh, it has to make you look like an asshole. It can't be like a glory story. So this is the story of the first time I almost killed my wife's dog. And I totaled three of my neighbor's cars and her car. So... It was uh, it was Valentine's Day morning, and I decided I was going to get up early, take my wife's dog, and go get her a video game from the GameStop. And uh, I did. And coming back into the parking lot of where we live, I've got a condo, and there's a parking lot with all my neighbor's cars in it. I realized my dog had stuck his head through the crack in the window and was dangling, like basically hanging. So I panicked and went to step on the brake but stepped on the gas and I was in my Dodge Ram and oh. I rocketed my car or my truck into the very back of my neighbor's Mustang and then bounced off that into his son's Mustang and then ended up tearing off the rear bumper of my wife's car before coming to a stop in the middle of the parking lot. My dog had shot up, his head came loose from the impact, but he shot up into the windshield <laughs> and <laughs> All the alarms are going off in the complex. All my neighbors come out. My wife comes out. Bumpers on the ground. Cars are smashed. It was a fucking nightmare. So there you go. I'm a fucking knucklehead. So I would like to add a story as well, Desi. Oh, please. By all means. What you just said explains (laughs) everything. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got got lots of them. I've got lots of them. And I'm going to give them to the fans until they fucking We we have our special friend hosting the show today. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Track by track. So the first track, The World Around Me. Um, So the opening was okay, but... The moment Doug starts singing, I know we're in trouble. He's struggling to properly rhyme his lyrics. He's hitting wonky notes, specifically the line, wait and see. I mean, how can somebody not hear? He's not in key here. It's just not, it's off. It's what I'm saying. It sounds like a demo, like a, a local band that just didn't have a producer or the bucks. Um, it, that, that line is in the first verse, if you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, he tries to rhyme the word before with the word before. <laughs> That's not working. Uh, the chorus was just, ah, ah, and the tone of the guitar solo was just terrible. This was an amateur version of Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. I didn't like it. 
Um, yeah. Dave, what'd you think? Right away, we get a weird riff and a backup vocal bed. Uh, I liked the vocal. I, I thought, you know, this guy comes in, he can sing, uh, but you can't hear some of it. Also, the bass was really hard to hear. I Wicked. believe Doug does a bass setup, setup uh, similar to Billy Sheehan, where he runs standard low bass, but also a more trebly component through a distortion or guitar amp to get, you know, sort of a rhythm guitar double thing going on. Um, he's also known for playing multi-string basses, where the bass string is doubled with a thinner octave string, uh, resulting in a you know different, bigger sound, kind of like uh, the guy from Cheap Trick is is big on that too. Um, but I, I didn't think the song was very catchy. It was kind of tough to follow. Yeah. Um, Ed, what'd you think of this one, the opener? Uh, I really enjoyed the song. Uh, but I, like I said, I picked the album. This is one of my favorite albums. Uh, you're 100% correct, Dave. Uh, he's the one knock I will definitely agree with is I would like to hear Doug Pinnock just play a clean bass sound on occasion. Uh, everything's distorted and he loves his eight and 12 string basses. And, and, uh, my buddy let me borrow his once and it's a cool sound, but you can't play it all the time. It's, you got to pick and choose. That's the one knock I'll definitely give anybody, uh, against us. However, I think I love his vocals. I love his voice. I thought it was very different for 92. I mean, we got to remember that's also the transition time for music. Uh, and as, you know, a fan from, you know, all their previous stuff, I just think he's got a real soulful voice when he wants to. I think he's got a rock voice at other times. Um, but it's, again, really the the complexity, I guess, or how the music works with each other. And then add the big harmonies that really people got away from, uh, and and it was it was a such a refreshing thing to hear a band sing tons and tons of harmony, almost over sing it because no one else was doing it. You know, it reminded me a lot of like, hey, let's take this prog rock, mash it with a little bit of a, uh, you know, seventies pop vocal bands, and here we go. Uh, Ed, so I did really like um, Doug's bass playing, but like you said, I had written several times on this, wow, what a great bass line. Too bad his sound is so mushy and I can't hear yep. it. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, dude, it's like you're playing this great bass, but I mean, it was I couldn't decipher it. It was yeah. just like, whoa, say here's something there. Um, Fee, where does this land on the fee list? For me, this was just okay. Uh, I did have high hopes listening to it. I kind of like the music in it, you know, in the in the vocal. Like it, but it was just okay. And I think that was a common theme for me throughout this album, where I feel like as a special education teacher, this this album or music like this would go well with students with autism because it just elicited zero emotion for me at all. Mm. Like none of it, you know. Not a single song. Well, maybe one song on the record, but uh, but it, like good musically, you know. Like the I, I like Doug Pinnock's voice. I like that they all play really well. Like it just, but I, I just I wasn't getting into it. Like I couldn't. So it was just okay. I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. It's not like I hated this album. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say you know it's fucking trash. It's not. It just wasn't for me. And uh, 
and like I was saying earlier, you know, that's a very rewarding job that you do. And um, yeah, kudos to you, man. It's fucking awesome. Shows you got a lot of heart. Thanks. Uh, okay. Uh, track two, Prisoner. Um, I like the loose acoustic guitar in the intro here. Um, it's produced well. We definitely get an improvement on the vocals here. Um, even though he was doing that fake grit thing, which I, I hate, it's like either you naturally have that thing or you don't. It's to emulate power, and he was faking it. And he did it a few times on the album. Every time it was cringy for me. It wasn't, it wasn't um, authentic. It just wasn't. The background vocals were nice. Um, got a nice left-right sweep on them. It was cool. Unfortunately, the background vocals, which I'm guessing is the other singer, and from what I read, he sang more on uh, previous albums, like more yeah. lead tracks. Um, he's a better singer than Doug is. He just is. I mean, he's more technically sound. He's solid, and he's got a very easy-to-listen-to voice. It's definitely more pop, you know, more uh, ah, just, just pop. I, I liked it, but it was kind of outshining what Doug was doing and I think that's why it sounded like there were too much background vocals on the album because the they drummer was... sings as well yeah I mean they knew the backgrounds were good and they were they were utilizing them but they were over utilizing them in spots um guitar tone on this solo uh which got pitchy this guitar player he kind of loses his way a little bit in these guitar solos um it just, it sounded like he started running out of riffs. It was a really, really long guitar solo. And if you're going to play a solo that long, you better fucking, you better have the bag of licks. And he didn't, in my opinion, he didn't. Uh, Dave, what you think? Well, we see some uh, acoustic guitar here. It sounds pretty 90s. Uh, good vocal again. Some echo effects and orchestrated backup vocals. Um, so, Ed, both of... Uh, both of the other guys in the band sing backups, yes. the guitar player and the drummer? Okay. But which uh, one sings lead vocals? Uh, mostly Ty, the guitar player. Okay, okay. All right. So, yeah, there was this quiet breakdown before the guitar solo. Uh, this guitar has way too many effects. Way too many. Uh, I think the guy can definitely play, but he needs to put the refrigerator-sized rack of effects away. Um it's just not, and and this goes through the whole album. It's it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, he has stayed away from gimmicky cliche licks so far uh, to me, which is kind of impressive. Rather than yeah. just going for the easy, you know, Chuck Berry lick. Yeah, Dave. The the effects sounded like a guy. That this is another thing that made it sound like a local band for me. It sounded like a dude that like had his like pedal board with all like, you know, Digitech pedals that he used like on stage and like he got a shot to do his record and he was like, I want to use my pedal board. And the and the engineer's like, but guy, we've got all these professional racks. He's like, I've got my sound. It's like, <laughs> dude, your sound isn't good and it's not gonna work on an album. But he just was like, I'm using my Digitech fucking chorus or whatever the fuck he was using yeah he, he just bought it and left it on preset one the oh, whole time God, and it made and you're right he's not a bad guitar player i'm not going to sit here and say this guy's mick mars he's definitely not mick mars and he plays a few solos on this album that i actually appreciated but it was despite of his sound not because of it um ed what did you think of prisoner uh i love the opening to this I like the big fat banet into the little rhythm guitar acoustic going behind it. I think it's just it works so well, and I did I 
completely disagree with both you and Dave. I love his guitar sound. Um, it's just, I think it's fat. It's, is it processed to hell? Hell yes. I go, but, but I think it's, I think it's a long way. It's, it's, he took like the long road to get a sound that I think he, I agree. He could have gotten the same sound simpler in my opinion, but I like the sound. I really enjoy it. Uh, and I really love his playing. I think his solos, he writes solos, I think more for the song rather than um, to show off, you know, and I think they have more prog rock in them than people give him credit for because there are, you'll, as you'll hear on later tracks, if you listen to the album, there's a lot of just music exits that just go on, yeah. um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And just so you know, Ty Tabor actually is a side project and I wish I could remember the name of him, but it's with, uh, Mung, the bass player from dream theater and Rod Ooh. Morgenstein, the drummer from winger. Who's also oh. there. Who's also a teacher over at Berkeley. <laughs> wow. Now that sounds like an album I might want to listen to because I uh, promise you don't, <laughs> even though Dave <laughs> no cringed, there. Yeah. even though Dave cringed when I said that I liked the two songs of Ty singing on it, this is, this is an album I'd like to hear. Um, Fee, <laughs> let's hear your thoughts. Here's another one that was just okay for me. The, I, I like the the start, the intro to it, but the the chorus was weird for me. It just it didn't really seem to fit. I didn't I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, which probably made it just okay instead of like a playlist song because every everything else about the song I thought was pretty good. Uh, Ed, I was really surprised that you like this band at all because a lot of their songs just go on kind of like jam bandish, like five minutes, you know, stuff like that, and in our conversations, like driving to Denver last summer, that was one of the things, like every song you were like, Oh, we should have, yeah, we should have cut that by like two minutes, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I I felt that way a lot about, about a lot of the tracks on this. Like they should have cut them down to like three and a half minute songs instead of these like five minute, just run on fucking sentences that made no sense to me. But, um, but just okay. Yeah. Just okay. Fee, I had that in my notes. A ton of these songs went on way too long. Right. And here's the problem. Got a song like Paradise City. Go on. Go on and on. Go on and on and on. Because it's fucking great. And I want to hear it for another two minutes. But when you're just going, like, shut the fuck up. Don't do this to me for fucking two more minutes. Because I can't. It didn't take me. It didn't take me anywhere. You know, it's really what I felt, you know. Yes. So, yes. It was unnecessary. And a lot of it, they were doing this thing where they'd write like this new shitty riff just to play for three minutes at the end. <laughs> um, all right. The big picture. Uh, again, nice acoustic guitar here. I felt like the engineer really knew how to mic up an acoustic guitar. Uh, but I didn't uh, care for the effects on the vocals. Like this reminded me of that one song on the Dogs More where it's like, can't anybody in the room tell that you can't understand a fucking word the guy is saying? It made it hard to hear what he was singing. It was terrible. And the tone of the guitar solo was fucking awful on this song. Um, I did like those volume swells he was doing with the volume knob. I thought that was cool. I thought that was clever. It showed, uh, you know, it was it was different. And, I, and it grabbed my ear and I liked it. And it was funny because this solo was actually the tale of two cities because he broke his solo up into like two parts and some of it sounded pretty good, and some of it was like some of the worst guitar tones I've heard. Um, and Doug's strength is not writing lyrics. 
and to production at the end of the song is atrocious. Doug's vocals just sounded like board noise at a bad nightclub. It ends with this beautiful acoustic guitar riff. I'm like, I'm, I'm in this song. I'm laughing. I'm crying. I'm liking it. I'm hating it. It's just like I was that exhausted. That sounds like a success. Yeah, I don't know. I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what did you, you think? You literally just described the success. I'm okay. laughing, I'm crying, I'm hating it, I'm loving it. <laughs> it was like a rom-com. It was like a rom-com. I don't know. I guess it was good. Dave, what did, what did you think? Yeah, I kind of felt the same. Uh, really did not like the vocal sound. Uh, it, it was just so buried uh, to, to the point where I couldn't even tell it was somebody singing. Uh, yes. This producer sucks. Um, from my research that, you know, we talked about this, um, you know, basically he did all their albums up to here and then they fired his ass, you know, good riddance, <laughs> um, yeah. not seeing really any hooks in this song. I like the guitar solo was kind of subdued and that, you know, cathedral volume swells, um, you know, some nice licks when, when he heats it up a little more. But that uh, that buried vocal, you know, the idiot producer makes it sound like a rhythm guitar. There's that much effect on it. And is that buried in the mix? Totally. Just ruined the whole thing. Totally. And you have to imagine this, too. So this guy also managed the band, right? And he basically, I feel like this guy found this local band that had a lot of um, potential, right? Because King's X had potential. Sure. And I feel like he was not up to the task to present this band to the world. I feel like this might have been the shank in King's X's armor. And they held on to this guy too long and he could not bring this band to the mainstream. And he was not up to the task of producing these songs to a point where they would have hits that would... Because there's a couple songs in this album, I'm like, holy shit, with the right producer, this one could have been a hit. But it's not. And what is the common denominator? There's no producer. So, Ed, what'd you think? Uh, so I I like the intro. I think it's a nice slow groove. Uh, I'd like Doug's voice through this. Normally, I would hate distortion like that on the voice when it changes to that heavy distortion. You can't understand anything. But I think the fact that, like, I don't really pay attention to the lyrics a lot of the time. I more pay attention to the melody and the harmonies or what kind of make me happy. Uh, I think the fact that it was a clean, then it kind of went into this distortion sound, but then back into a clean thing, it worked for me. I didn't hate it. Um, you know, I wish it wasn't as distorted as it was because it is wow distorted. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it does work for me. I think the texture I, I feel when I listen to it, just i like it uh i enjoyed the guitar solo uh and i actually liked the vocal distortion at the end with the guitar under it um but again it was more of a texture thing and it was something different than the other two songs right uh fee okay i i've had a lot of notes on this one and i'll i'll do a little foreshadowing in this but uh with the voice was that a megaphone effect or was it i, I couldn't figure that out i i didn't like it at all though yeah it was but a that, distortion it was just distortion yeah, it sounded like like a megaphone really distortion. low like, like, yeah. yeah yeah 
Yeah, it wasn't good either way. They needed to get rid of that. Um, I felt the solo was okay with some weird effects in it, but I felt like it was something that uh, that Winger would do. That like Red Beach, would, you know what I mean? Like I, I felt like I was like, oh, is this kind of like a Winger solo here? I don't know. But uh, uh, and again, another song that just drags on forever. Like halfway through the song, they just ran out of shit to say and just dragged on for another two minutes with nothing totally. i don't know no substance to it for me but just just okay like it's it's not unlistenable but it's right just um, i don't know no so emotion track, track four lost in germany so this one kind of um goes to what i was saying on the last song this song probably could have been a hit okay if this was produced by like desmond child or like a real producer i think there's a hit here um it opens up really nice the overall sound and riffs are so different it really popped for me but i hated the lyrics and the chorus lost in germany it just wasn't good enough for the music track uh he had to sing over they gave him this great track and he just just couldn't write a fucking chorus um this could have been a hit um with better words um it was like a budget version of playing with the boys right but with no hook. It's like, that's what it reminded me of. Playing with the boys from fucking the Top Gun soundtrack. Like, this could have been something. But wasn't. Never heard it before. Dave, what'd you think? Yeah, it was a sort of cool riff. Uh, kind of impressive. I did not get the mixing strategy here. The bass is so low in the mix. And the guitar is super loud and drowning yeah. in effects. It, it just wasn't good. Um, lead, leads back to what you were saying about having a, a real producer. Uh, drums are fine. They're just kind of there. Uh, nothing really stands out about them almost throughout this entire album. Uh, good lead vocals and backups. You know, and for the first time, there's almost a chorus here that you can sing along with. Right. Uh, they're throwing in a lot of extra ideas and sections, which I, you know, think may be an issue there. A good producer could have helped with this to make the songs a little more accessible. Absolutely. And but the problem with the chorus was you can't just have fucking lost in Germany, lost in Germany, lost in Germany. It's just like fuck, man. That's not a hook. It's not going to get you there. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you have choruses. Jump, jump. Yeah. <laughs> oh this... yeah, jump. <laughs> yeah, but this, uh, <laughs> but this is not jump, man. It's like it's like sometimes. Uh, a repetitive chorus is great, but you're not going to catch everybody's attention with Lost in Germany. Who the fuck has ever been lost in Germany? Nobody. Who's jumped? Everybody. This is the fucking cleverness of writing a good chorus. You're losing your fucking listener base. No one, uh, nobody fucking identifies with what the fuck you're saying right now. That's it. But anyway, go ahead. Ed. All right. I disagree with you. I totally enjoy it. Um, I thought the chorus was great. Um, the intro tone, the riff is great. I love the flow, the harmonies, the time change at the end of the line. Uh, what was it like a halftime almost? Um, I just, it, I thought it was at this point when I first heard the album, I was like, okay, there's a lot of texture and layers in changes that they do. And it was kind of like, like, I'm not a big prog rock guy either, but this kind of got me into, you know, okay, I heard this, now let me get into Rush. Now let me get into, you know, bands like that, Dream Theater. And, and I'm just like, 
Okay, I prefer this poppy version of prog rock, I guess. So, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's also the first song I, uh, that kind of lacks a guitar solo. It's kind of just that weird bridge, you know, and then back into the song. So Right, yeah. No, I noticed that. I noticed that as well. Um, yeah, dude, it's a good song. It's a good song. I just, I was just let down because I heard a better song in yeah. there. Oh, I can know? totally relate to that, yeah. So... Um, yeah, it was like it's on the cusp of yeah, could have been yeah, like they changed just a couple of things in this and tweaked that course, and this might have been the song that break that broke them. You yeah, know? I totally agree. Yeah, uh, fee, what do you got? Oh. So this song was was weird for me. It was different. Uh, I was digging the groove of it a lot. Like I, I enjoyed it. The chorus is super poppy, syrupy. I love that stuff. You know. Um, and then that breakdown comes and the story changes from this like happy wandering around germany to like hitler gave the order to fucking murder jews right and i don't know what fucking happened but i mean even if you were like reading the lyrics along with the song i'm like all of a sudden it's like shooting i'm like whoa where'd that come from you know i'm like yeah (laughs) um and 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 i don't know like i don't know i i like to think i'm a, a pretty much a human rights person you know and then i felt like this just violated some human rights at the end and just i don't know but it was just okay uh it's just okay oh my god dude i agree this album fucking violated my human rights (laughs) no 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 but seriously like fee said you know so this is your average so all right so fee's the guy that's running out to buy the record like he hears a record and he's gonna go out and buy it so what's the problem here he said syrupy fucking melodies in the chorus really like the fucking music blah 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 once again they're struggling to write good lyrics that are um that are uh relatable things that you want to hear again like jump ed you said it perfectly you hear david lee roth say jump and do his little karate kick in his spandex pants (laughs) with a fucking sword and i'm all fucking in man I hear this guy talk about, you know, Hitler and, and the fucking Holocaust and he's lost in Germany. I'm like, I'm lost too. I don't get it. So fuck. All right. Ah, uh, chariot song. Maybe King's X is like a story of what could have been. I'll give him that story of what could have been if handled better. And there's a lot of bands out there. I, did, I don't disagree with that. I think these totally could have been. They should have been more than what they were. I agree. Definitely. For whatever I, reason. I will 100% yeah. give you that. This band should have been bigger than what they were just for the sole reason that they were like the dogs the more in the day, but completely different, but kind of the same idea. When you got the album, you might have been expecting to hear one thing and you got something completely different. They were doing something completely different. So tip of the hat to that. Um, it just wasn't refined probably no fault of their own. They probably came into the studio with decent ideas, as good as any other band that had a great hit album, but just had a better producer. Like, I wonder what fucking Talk Dirty to Me sounded like before a real producer got their hands on it. Was it a hit? Probably not. You know? Um, Okay. So, uh, track five, Chariot Song. Uh, Bass and drums are great, but again, the bass sound is so mushy. Why? Why is it so mushy? Why is this guy and the producer and the engineer not saying, hey, this is a fucking amazing bass line, uh, but I can't hear it. 
let's let's turn a couple of knobs and see if we can fucking get it in the mix. Nope, they decide not to. Um, so this one is kind of a weird mix of bands. So it sounds a little like extreme, right? Sounds a little like Soundgarden. Sounds a lot like the Beatles. And it's just weird. Like, it just got weird for me. It was the tale of three cities all crammed together. None of them really gelled well together. It didn't know what it wanted to be. I did enjoy the Beatles section the most. I thought it was very cool. Um, the megaphone vocals just sounded bad. And it went on way, way too long, like most of their songs. Uh, Dave, what'd you think? Yeah, enough of this guitar. It's actually louder than the lead vocal in the song. It is. It and is. the lead vocal is good. I want to hear it. You can you can hear in these riffs. Um, you know, we talked about a little before that that King's X was reportedly influential to a lot of the '90s Seattle bands, and you can you can really hear that in this song with the riffs. Um, the Beatles sounding section in the middle, if you like that kind of thing, uh, but but the stupid guitar sound ruins the song and the album. Yeah. So Ed, as we're walking through this album, I'm starting to have more of appreciation for this band. I'm starting to almost feel sorry for him a little bit. Uh, so let me ask you, and be honest with me. Yeah. Be honest with me. Did they really sound like this before 1988? Yes. Because if they are responsible for uh, framing albums like uh, Jar of Flies and you know, Soundgarden, then that is going to raise my score. Because I can really hear it. I mean, it sounds like they're ripping off those bands, and I love those bands. So if they were influential in the creation of those albums that I love so much, and tip of the hat, we may be doing Jar of Flies very soon, uh, <laughs> then, you know, tip of the hat to them. You know what I'm saying? So uh, what do you think? What do you got? Oh, they absolutely sounded like this uh, since the first song I heard from them. Um you know, and, and it's just, it, it, it is definitely uh, a taste that you have to acquire if you're not into the combo that it is. Um, but yeah, so for this song, yeah, it's, it's definitely not their best. But I think once, I think maybe because I've listened to it so much, I've grown accustomed to Doug Pinnock's bass sound so I can hear it. Uh, especially since I've seen, I've got, I can't even count how many times I've seen this band live in a small club and they're a great small club band like this. I almost think that maybe they were, it was justice that they didn't become like this super group because they are just so fantastic in a small club. I can't see it transition into an arena. Yeah, a lot of three, um, a lot of three member bands have trouble controlling yeah, the stage that yeah. large. But yeah, it's, it was just it was just an average song. But this is like the Beatles thing that you pointed out. I am a massive Beatles fan. As I am love I. the Beatles, and that's what kind of and that's why I love this band so much. I just hear the vocals, and then when you hear the whole, you know, the strings, the cello, it, it's just oh yes, I love it. Yeah, I mean, Ed, I fucking love the Beatles, too. Just oh, so deep, so layered, such yep. great musicians, so underrated. And this goes back to that guitar playing I always talk about, you know. Like, people don't think he was a great guitar player, you know, for the Beatles. But when you listen to the riffs he's playing, oh, yeah. these are fucking, like, next-level chords and shit he's playing. 
Wow. Uh, Feet, what do you got? I like I sometimes I love being last on this sometimes I fucking hate it because <laughs> I, I hated this song when I first heard it and then yesterday last night I listened to it with the earbuds in and I'm like I love this fucking song you know mm. um it, it would have been a playlist song for me had two things kind of been different that they add in that weird megaphone vocal effect towards the end of the song and I'm like fuck you wrecked it and then uh my only note at the thing is like, do they even know how to end a song? Because it just kind of dragged on a little bit too much. And, and I love jam bands, you know, like I'll, I'll go see a fish show any day of the week. I've seen them oh, like 50 times, you know, but yeah, uh, dude, fuck, but uh, th- this just fuck, you know, like I was like, man, like this, this song was almost amazing for me. Almost guys. We need to do a fish intervention on fee. This, this is no. a problem. You There's need to no do a fish. Thing. Listen, you this need to problem. do a listen. Yeah. yeah. It's a problem. Okay, um, so the ooh song, uh, Ed. So no. I had my notes on this, but I'm going to change them. So there's two things that happened here. One of two things, okay? Either Alice in Chains heard a King's X song I've never heard, right? <laughs> and wrote their song. Or King's X heard the Alice in Chains song and said, fuck them, we did it first, so I'm taking back my sound and wrote a song that I've never heard that sounds exactly like Alice in Chains, okay? Uh, this song is Alice in Chains, not as good. Missing a couple of sections that Alice would have done better. It's missing Lane Stanley and Jerry Cantrell's amazing vocals, and it's missing Jerry Cantrell's amazing guitar solo. Um, yeah, it's so poorly produced, a solo on this. It's fucking a crime. Uh this is where I started to form my opinion that this band doesn't have an identity of their own. But that was before I talked to Ed. And I can't say that with uh, certainty because I have never heard their other albums. So it's an uneducated opinion. So I can't make it. But you make your own opinion if you've heard previous albums. Uh, Dave, what you think? Yeah, I got uh, that Alice in Chains vibe, too. I agree. Uh, it starts pretty cool, kind of heavy and dark. Uh, still too many effects on everything. Yeah. Guitar solo is cool, nice playing. You can actually hear the guitar and the bass for a short time in the song, which was exciting. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, right at the end in the fade out, it, it almost gets interesting. They start cutting loose with some drum and bass fills. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking Ed, they were on the way, and then it just got you know <laughs> the derailed. song was over. Yeah. Derailed, just not produced properly. Ed, yeah, this this it's typical middle album song for me. It's not one of my favorites. Uh, I think it's kind of boring compared to the others on the album. No, just doesn't do anything for me. Fee, talk about this song. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, this was another robot song for me like it just it didn't i just i pictured robots playing fucking instruments on a stage it just didn't yeah uh, no fucking sucked um all right track seven not just for the dead so tip of the hat it's my favorite song in the album i love this song yeah love this song this is the best vocal on the album uh why didn't they make this album like this is what I okay, so I don't know because I'm not a King's X fan and I've never listened to King's X, but this is what I imagine King's X should sound like. Like if they weren't trying to do Alice in Chains or 
Soundgarden or the Beatles or Extreme or whatever the fuck they're doing. If they were just saying, let's just write an album that sounds like nothing else. It's just going to be King's X. This is King's X. This is kind of why I imagine it would sound like. Um, it sounded like a producer got involved on this one. Like a real producer. Like some dude was walking by the studio that worked in the building and was like, oh, like it was like nine in the morning. He had his coffee. He had listened to them do the first fucking six albums and he finally just had enough. He was like, came and he's like, guys, 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 stop. You, get out from behind the board. And he like, he produced the song and then just went back to like produce some other band that like became rich and famous. Right. Uh, best vocal performance and lyric composition on the album. And I asked myself, is this Doug singing? And I didn't know it. Put a question mark after that. Dave. Yeah, we get some drums here. Good news. And uh, bad news, fake sitar. Uh, somebody... Oh, was it fake? <laughs> I, I I don't know. It kind of sounded like a fake one, like a okay. you know synth or a you know one of those electric sitars or some shit like that. I don't right. know. Uh, but yeah, the guitar player apparently is singing here. I did not like his voice. Uh, oh. You know, Doug had to come in in you know midway through the song and rescue him and ruin um, it. Yeah. Well, no, I I I thought it made it better and saved okay. it. Um, you know, getting some God lyrics in here, um, where we see a striper tour in these guys future, um, oh, sort of kind of rambles in the middle. They're vamping with random little sounds fading in and out. That part is way too long. Yes. I, I feel like that might've been a live thing that can be effective, but you know, this is a record gentlemen, let's get it on. And then the yeah. uh, song just kind of ends. Dave, this song didn't hurt my ears. I liked it and I thought the singer, so we've done tons of albums that were grinds that I didn't really like the album, but you know, producer can always make a singer sound like pro. Like, you know, you listen to Hoobastank, like the dude sounds pro. It's greasy. It's polished. It's fucking on point. You know, you listen to this and they just let fucking Doug hang out in the wind. Like they just did. He didn't sound up to snuff for a professional studio album. And I don't know if it was his fault or not, but this guy's vocal, like it or hate it, wimpy a little bit, sure, pop, sure, but it sounded pro, it sounded greasy, it sounded polished. It was like, it It didn't jump off the fucking album as like, oh, I'm hearing fucking like, greasy is polished. It is for me. I made the word up like episode three. So... <laughs> <laughs> like greasy is the way Warren D. Martini plays guitar solos. So when I hear somebody fucking like, laying it down, see, I don't it's think greasy. that's greasy. Okay, my hair I is would greasy. consider greasy like like you know your the dogs to more that you picked and you know, or whoever if whoever picked it, uh, I picked it. I you picked, picked it. Whatever. In <laughs> uh, the bands like that, that that you clearly is your sound, right? Um, you know, ah. that's, I totally get that, that that's greasy. It's a greasy, it's loose, it's blues, it's not polished, it's got a certain rawness to it, which is why I thought you would like this album a little more, because I think it's got a lot of raw, unpolished stuff, but the musicianship, I think, is more prog in how they've written the songs. But for, not just for the dead. See, uh, I would consider, I, I would consider Appetite for Destruction a raw album that's also polished. Oh, this... uh, yeah, you know what? That, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's definitely probably one of those exceptions. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's kind of the exception to almost every fucking rule of that album. Yes, yes. Um, 
So not just for the dead. Love the intro. Absolutely love it. I like the way Ty's voice fits with Doug's. Um, you know, I think they're both really good singers with di- completely different styles. Um, you know, and, and it just, it works so well with the clean higher end with Ty into the meaty lower end of Doug. Um, you know, the chorus, the harmonies are lights out. Uh, but yeah, it's super preachy, like a church sermon. And, and, you know, the band actually gets a lot of that and got it in the beginning when they first came out because a lot of their lyrics are based on religion and political, like not political outro, just like how they see it and feel it in the, the fight within them about religion and politics and stuff like that and just issues. Um, so yeah, they definitely give that Southern sermon. Like you're, you're at a, you know, one of those big giant friggin' halls that, all those guys, you know, rape everyone for every penny they have, um, you know, type thing. But yeah, I yeah. totally dig this song. And the bass fill at the beginning of that whole Beatles thing at the end, I'm like, that is such a badass fill. It was. <laughs> and it's one of the few you can actually hear. <laughs> yeah. Again, total shame. Total shame. Guy did not get his, his upcomings for being such a great bass player because I don't think anybody knew. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Um, Fee, what do you got on this one? See, here's another one where I feel like we're listening to two different songs because this totally. was one of the worst songs on the album for me. Um, oh. and it, and it really confirmed it when I put it in the earbuds. There's some something really weird going on in the background of this that I couldn't figure out what it was, and it, and it was annoying. I mean, so I guess this is one song that kind of elicited emotion for me. You know, where I was just I was mildly annoyed that i couldn't figure out what that that sound was but i knew it, it like for me it didn't fit on the song at all uh sitar uh, you know another ending that dragged on um well here's one thing is i don't think i said this enough throughout that the album because we we just bagged on the vocals and dogs to more all every song last week the vocals across the board on this album i thought are great except for when they do some weird production shit with them but these guys can all sing and the harmonies are great. Like everything it's, it's enjoyable, you know, like a lot of the, a lot of the music here, a lot of the things like as an individual piece, whether it be a vocal or an individual, you know, baseline or guitar or drum or whatever are great, you know, like on their own, but together, some of the, some of the things just don't work for me. This is one of them. This was terrible. Fee, you sparked a little thought in my mind here by with what you said. So we know Vince Neil can't sing. He can't sing. Right. But his producers made him sound great on plenty of songs. Yes. Uh, we know that Doug Pennock is a much better singer than Vince Neil. So I feel like this guy probably could have been made out to be like an amazing singer if produced properly. So again, I feel like these guys were hung out to dry. I'm starting to feel like this band was hung out to dry. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a shame. Um, I hope that Fee has made it this far and is feeling the tide shifting a little bit. Because <laughs> I know he's going to, in the beginning, he's like, I fucking hate that dude. He's a shithead. <laughs> but I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Uh, what I know about love. Well, what do I know about love? I, I crash into cars. I 
almost killed my girlfriend's almost dog. Almost killed my dog. My wife's dog. Uh, I had heartburn once for three days real bad, so <laughs> I went and bought myself. I went and I bought what I thought was um, a soothing, like, milk of magnesia uh, fucking drink. So I drank it for a couple of days, and my heartburn was not getting better. So I was drinking this, like, a lot because my heartburn was not getting better. My esophagus still hurt. After about two days, I was really sick. I was losing weight. I was um, having diarrhea to the point where I thought there was something really wrong with me, like I was dying. So I went to my wife. I said, I think we need to go to the emergency room. I've lost a couple of pounds. I'm shitting. She's like, you're in the bathroom all the time. You don't look right. She goes, so what's going on with you? I said, well, I've been taking this antacid. I've had really bad heartburn. She looked at it. It was fucking X-lax. Or it, didn't, it wasn't X-lax. <laughs> it wasn't X-lax. So I don't want to say that. Accident. It was a laxative. It was like uh, some milky, creamy laxative. You're supposed oh to take God. like a teaspoon, like, you know, twice a day. <laughs> and since my heartburn wasn't getting better, I was like drinking the shit. And oh. I, yeah, it was really bad, guys. Like, you're all laughing. <laughs> you're all laughing, but it was really bad. And my wife keeps a notepad. Like, she's got this little list of like dumb shit I've done. You know, like, you know, killing, almost killing the dog, the car crash. The oh, my God. Yeah. We so, need to do a show just on that list. <laughs> I was going to yeah. save that one for next week, but, you know, fuck it. Time was right. Um, so, so good. Okay. Yeah. So what do I know about love? A cool bass lead. Uh, too, a cool bass, too bad I can't hear it. Uh, through the awful effects they put on it. I don't know why they decided to put this effect on the bass. It was a great bass line. Um, I like the background vocals. Uh, this is where I can't help but to think there's a better singer in the band. And I think I would like to hear this album with the uh, the roles reversed. Just to see what it would sound like. Uh, I want to hear Ty, whatever his name is. I'd like to hear him doing the lead and Doug backing him up. And just see what that album is. Um, I really like the overall feel of the guitar solo. This was the first solo that I really I liked. Um, it was despite of the sound though but the solo itself was pretty good kind of reminded me of like uh um uh, dark side of the moon uh that type of thing you know kind of had that feel for me um i didn't love the vocals though specifically the la la la's at the end oof not don't la la don't la la not good um and the song went on way too long um dave we got well, not digging the bass tone. I know many people are impressed with his sound, but there's no body to it. It's all lows and highs. Um, lead vocal on this one I thought was particularly good. Uh, the guitar solo was good, and, yeah. and it just sounds like he turned all his effects on at once and just left it. Um, too much instrumental jamming, not enough song here. Uh, the guitar solo did get more impressive the longer it went on, uh, but then he ruined it by going cheap with the whammy bar and the finger tapping. Yep. Shame, shame. Uh, Should have cut the song about a minute earlier, and it would have, uh, you know, been a lot nicer. Yes. Uh, Dave, <laughs> you nailed it. He went from Pink Floyd to uh, to bad. Yeah, bad. Like, uh yeah, whatever like it danger, is. Like danger, danger guitar. Like danger, <laughs> danger. Oh, fucking like danger, danger. Exactly. Oh man, maybe we should pull that one out to fucking raise everything up one spot. <laughs> a, little, oh. a little naughty, naughty. Yeah. Uh, don't even say naughty, naughty. That's not allowed on the show. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, it will be. Feet, <laughs> feet. You're not revealing that you like naughty, naughty and danger, danger, are you? <laughs> no. No, no. I saw okay. that band at Rocky Point. 
Oh, God. <laughs> they I, were playing the amusement park circuit. I actually saw um, Striper at the channel, believe it or not. Nice. I was just going back to Striper. <laughs> And uh, they throw little, uh, they throw little tiny, tiny Bibles. Yeah, and I had one for the yep. longest time. I, I thought it was good. Oh, yeah. I was very young. I was very young. Um, Ed, what do you got? Uh, so this is not one of my favorites on the album, but I, I dig what they were going for in the intro. But I'm with Dave. It just, oh, I hate when bass players try to get too too muddy with their sound. Uh, honestly, it sounds like he distorted an eight string bass oh. like let's play an eight string bass which is not clean to begin with and then throw distortion on it and it's just a mess uh yeah it just it wasn't clean but i love his voice in this song i think it's really soulful uh i love the melody and the harmonies i think are just huge you know i think they just it's it's almost like it's a clinic on how to write harmonies um even though they're not crazy wild they're just beautiful for the what they're trying to convey i think uh solo's great and i really like the short bridge i think it's a nice little fuck you with that fat huge sound and then just boom gone um you know i, I thought it had a nice dynamic to it but yeah it's not it's the typical middle of an album for me ed i think that you're totally right about the harmonies on this album. And I think it's because uh, the guitar player is such a good singer. Okay. Because oh, yeah. he's, he's so solid. Right. So I think that, you know, Doug would lay down his vocal and this fucking guitar player could have harmonized with anything. So I think these harmonies are so good um, despite of what Doug is singing, not because of what Doug is singing. You know what I'm saying? Um, I would like to hear this singer uh, harmonizing with himself. And having Doug sprinkled in for a little bit of soul and bottom end on the album, you know, mm -hmm. Fee, we got. Yeah, I didn't enjoy this song either. <laughs> My note that bass is awful. Uh, the lyrics and the music don't really fit for me. I, I, uh, I felt like it was incomplete. Like the, like I wanted to know when they go into that that chorus what I know about love, and then it just fucking stopped, and I'm like. What do you know? You tell me. You yeah. you know nothing. Nothing. You know nothing. This is terrible. Um, but yeah, the bass ruins everything in this song. Uh, the solo out's really good, smooth. I enjoyed the solo, you know, on this one a lot. But uh, played out. I, other than that, I didn't enjoy this song at all. Yeah, best solo on the album, in my opinion. I just wish he had yeah. cut it a little shorter. Okay, <clears throat> track nine, Black Flag. Uh, this is a uh, this is a crime. Okay, this is a crime, this song, because this song should have been, this song should have put the band on the map. It didn't. And it didn't because, again, they didn't know how to produce the song. So it needed to have more edge in it. It needed to have a bridge that got dirtier than the chorus and the verse, but with a big hook in it. Um, kind of like, um, uh, it's so easy. You know, like they needed to make this more punk with a big pop hook in it. Uh, they needed to elaborate on the chorus a little bit, just a little bit. It was almost there. And it just was a, uh, it was just mistake after mistake after mistake in the writing production of this song that led to it not being a huge hit for King's X. Um, I love the music. The vocals are cool. 
It's a good song, but it's not a great song, and it had potential to be a great song. Dave, what do you got? I feel kind of exactly the same way. It reached number 17 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. Should have been higher. I don't really love this song personally, but for that time, it was fine. It was at least as good as anything else happening at the time. Um, You know, this one actually has kind of a hook, you know, which a lot of the other songs don't have. Great playing, great vocals. But yeah, Yeah. the the production, you know, just fucked it up and, and ruined it. So let me throw a quick comparison out here, okay? Let's compare this song to Culture Personality, okay? Two bands throwing their hat in the arena of this, like, kind of metal sound in an era of a lot of makeup and spandex and lipstick and garbage, right? The fucking Culture Personality became a huge hit, made those guys a fucking truckload of money. The guitar player sucks in that band, that guitar solo makes Mick Mars look like fucking like uh, the best guitar player to ever walk the earth. That guitar solo and culture personality is a million notes that don't belong together. Okay. Uh, strung together with a whammy bar. It's awful. But the song was produced. They made it a hit. It was fucking an earworm, as Fee would say. This song is a better song. This song could have been that. And it just wasn't. And again, I feel like this band got fucking hung out to dry. Just bad decisions made all the way down the line. Ed, we got. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I like the great song. I was psyched when I saw the video for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, on MTV and everything back when MTV showed videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great opening riff. riff. I think it's it, the groove is just dope. Uh, the verse has so much vocal work in the melody. Of course, it's simple, but I think it's really fat. Um, in the bridge, you know, you get that super hard rock preacher type sermon, which, you know, is is kind of looped in and out of most of their songs. So I kind of appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I don't disagree with... Yeah, it should have been significantly bigger than it was. But I think comparing it to Cult of Personality... I think they're just two different songs, two different bands. Oh yeah, you totally. know, like like I would put "Living Color" as more of a fusion rock. Oh, definitely. You know, and I, as much as I agree, I hate that solo as well. It's just it's like listening to an Ingve solo. It's oh. like great, you can play a shitload of notes real fast without the talent. Yeah, dude, it's like if Ingve <laughs> was fucking shit faced and fucking no, no. But I like Vernon Reed's riffs. I think he's a good riff player. No, that solo was like if I gave fucking Fee my guitar and said, <laughs> Fee, I want you to play as many notes as you can on this guitar. <laughs> okay. And, I and it's too much whammy bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fee, what did you think? And, and again, I want to say this video, I remember the first time I saw it and seeing Doug Pennick and being like, wow, he's fucking cool with the mohawk and the jacket. Oh, yeah. and the, But the song didn't resonate with me. You know, so I never went back to it. If the song had been great, I might have run out and bought that album, like with everybody else. Yeah, his mohawk was enormous. <laughs> it was awesome. That mohawk was fucking awesome. Fee, go ahead. This is a song I had a, a difficult time with because it's one of three King's X songs that I know that I knew going into this this week, and and I had to kind of 
temper my thoughts on this was like, do I like it because it's familiar or do I like it because I like it? In the end, I came across I like it because I like it. This is a good fucking song. Um, my only note on this was finally a complete song on the album, like something that just felt finished to me, a little more polished than the other the other ones, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I like this song a lot. This is a good one. Fee, totally. You know why you like this song? Why it sounds so easy? Because it's, it's your basic structure, okay? Mm-hmm. Intro, verse, bridge, chorus, solo, verse, mm-hmm. bridge, chorus out. It was very easy to read, and it worked, especially after this muddy mess of arrangements we've gotten on this album. Uh, I, I really, I like the song too. I think the song is really solid. Yeah. Uh, track ten, "Dream My Life." Uh, so I start off here by just saying, "Holy Beatles!" Okay. Um, again, I like the vocals here, and for the second time on the album, I have to ask, "Is this Doug?" But now I know it's not. Uh, we get some nice dynamics between the parts on this track. You know, uh, I appreciated the way this song was structured and put together. Um, the production on this track, though, wasn't great. It wasn't great. It hurt the song badly. Um, but the song itself was fine. The song was fine. Uh, Dave, what'd you think? Oh, no. Who let the drummer sing? But now we know it's the, now we know it's the guitar player. Uh, this, this this is bad. I didn't like it. Uh, guitar Perfect. solo is really nice. Not much else stands out here. Yeah. So this just tells shows you how perception is everything. How everybody sees and hears everything differently. Uh, Ed, what did you think? Uh yeah. So it's it's a little better than the average songs on the album. Um, you know, I think it's slow, chill opening. Um, it, yeah, it's a Thai song, I believe. I, I don't think it's Jerry, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Thai. Um, but I think the music is warm, it's comforting, uh, and I think the lyrics, melody, and harmony kind of just add to it. It's kind of like a, like soup, I guess. You know, it, it just ge- gave you that warm feeling, at least me. Uh, you know, and then at the end when it kicks in with the distortion, I kind of like it. It's a nice little change of pace for the song. So. Ed, you're in New York City. It's uh, the early 80s, and you're going into the Soup Nazi's kitchen from Seinfeld. What soup is Ed ordering from the Soup Nazi? From the Soup Nazi? Yeah. Uh, Italian wedding. Okay, and Fee, if you're ordering from the Soup Nazi, what soup is Fee ordering? I I was going to say the same exact thing as Ed. I was like... (laughs) Soup Nazi Italian Italian wedding soup sounds amazing. Yep. Okay. And Dave, what soup? Uh, I'm going to go across the street to the pizza place. No. Nope. <laughs> Got to get soup. Got to get right. soup. Sure, Italian wedding is good. Okay. And I am probably going to get the broccoli cheddar. I like a nice Ooh. broccoli cheddar. I get that yep. from uh, Panera. So I really enjoy that. I give that broccoli cheddar soup a hundred watt score very good you obviously don't have a lactose intolerance uh i have everything stomach intolerance my stomach is literally falling out of my ass uh, uh, do we do we have a paid partnership with panera bread since you just referenced them i mean are we, we getting a piece of that or not we should um B, did you did you go on this one no right no i haven't gone yet okay so what are your thoughts on this one but that's what I think, and like to to continue on the analogy of soup. Okay. And I'll I'll read my notes afterwards. Is when you fucking crumple saltine crackers into spice up a soup, Ugh. 
it's not that exciting. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not, you know? And here, I'll read my notes just to read them because this is how I felt. Boring intro. I'm bored overall. At least the vocals are good. Solo was even boring. Dave, I, I don't know what you saw in the solo, but I was just, I was bored. I don't know. It, it didn't. didn't. And then another it. minute plus ending of a song. Um, I usually like the songs that kind of build the energy throughout, but this just didn't, didn't work for me. It was just, it was okay, but I was, I was bored. I was putting fucking saltine crackers in soup. I was bored. Yeah. So I'm just going to put this out to the group. When you guys have a nice hot bowl of soup, because for me, I have to have a nice piece of buttered French bread to dip into it. Are you guys dipping French bread with butter? Sometimes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I don't need soup. <laughs> okay. Oh, you just like I the French soup. bread French bread with butter? Sure, I'll, I'll just take the bread. Okay. With a, with a little sauce and cheese on it? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, little known fact, I have the uh, One Bite Pizza app for uh, Barstool, and I have reviewed 70 pizza shops in the surrounding area 70 i have more followers on my one bite app than we do on this podcast okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. okay maybe you should share the podcast on your oh, pizza shit. app this podcast <laughs> is doing just fine don't you worry um okay so track 11 final track on the album and i gotta say it wasn't a slog getting through this like with uh Hoobastank or the foo fighters it wasn't this was an easier album to get through it just didn't have the production and the uh couple of mainstream hits that that those albums had but overall it wasn't a grind to listen to this uh so silent wind um so for the second time and actually for the the biggest example on this album, this felt like what I imagine King's X would sound like if I was listening to a King's X album that didn't remind me of anything else. If it was just like, I heard the album and I'm like, it's got its own complete sound. It didn't remind me of anything. This is the identity of this band. I've never heard anything like it. This is the song. Um, yeah, I mean, it was all right. And I thought the end, at first when the end came on, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, this is fucking weird, man. But after the sixth time of listening to it, I went, all right, yeah, that's fucking cool. Never heard anything like that before. So yeah, I thought it was a fun way to go out. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Dave, what you think? Well, this could have maybe been a single. Uh, would have been a decent rock song for 92, especially yes. with better production. Uh, the title's got to go, though, because you're all thinking it. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's a line, will we breathe in the silent wind? Uh, no, thanks. Yuck. Sounds like I was trapped in the car with my Uncle Bernie after a big lunch. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> and some cheddar, some cheddar broccoli soup. Yeah. yeah. Andy's lactose intolerant. Cause <laughs> <laughs> the silent wind. Ah. Holy shit. So yeah, okay. the, the bass and uh, carnival organ at the end were cool. Uh, it was actually, you know, like that. Or is it church organ? Mm. Not sure. Not sure. <laughs> That's all oh, I got. Oh, God. Uh, and Dave, what did you think of the organ that I sprinkled on the song that I sent you? My dog's Demore ripoff. Yeah, that sounded awesome. Not too bad, right? Yeah. And And were my guitars... In the vein of one, uh, one Joe dog, they they were appropriately greasy. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, it means a lot coming for you, Dave. Um, 
Ed, what do you got, buddy? Uh, it's, I agree. <laughs> Funny, I never put that together and now I can't unhear that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and I agree with you <laughs> now that you said that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a terrible name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I really love the song. I was glad this is the last song because it kind of re- redeemed the little lull that's in it. But uh, yeah, and I, you know what? I think the reason I like the album so much you know, even though, yes, this definitely lacks certain productions that I prefer. But like you said, Des, it's not a slug to get through. Nope. There's so many positives, I think, in each song, whether it's the ability of the players, the, uh, I guess, the changes in the song where it's not just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Yes. You know, it might be a little too much, but again, that's production issues. That's not... You know, every songwriter needs a good producer to fix their baby because we all take it very personal. Yes. Um, you know, and I thought this was a great ending to the album because it it encompassed, I think, what the band is, you know. Um, you know, it's a super riff in groove to open uh, and a great verse that flows with the big chorus harmonies. Um, you know, and he's got the... I think this is a great Doug Pinnock, you know, like... like deep scream song that he kind of has, you know, even though he's singing silent wind, it's still, I think it's, I love his tone on it, his vocal tone. And then yeah, yeah, to end it with the carnival whole thing, whatever it is, but yeah, love it. So Ed, you know, I take criticism really well. I don't, I write music because I have to, not because I want to. I have to. Just like I also paint. Uh, Maybe I'll send you guys a picture of a watercolor I did last night. You guys don't know I paint, but I paint. But I do it because I have to, not because I want to. I don't do it for glory. I don't do it for, you know, people to tell me I'm great. So I co-wrote a song with a local musician. I'm not going to name him on the uh, on the show, but at one point Slash did say about this musician, they don't make rock bands like this anymore. So me and this gentleman, we co-wrote a song, and he is friends with Phil Green, who produced uh, the um, band from Boston, boys band, big one, New Kids on the Block. So we duped up this song, and I thought it was great, man. I put this really great vocal on it, really just heartfelt words that came from my demented, uh, dark circus of killer clowns juggling fucking butcher knives that goes on in my head 24-7. <laughs> I, I just put it all on this track, and I just thought this guy was going to be gaga over the track. So he sent it over to Phil, and Phil listened to it, and he said, you know, I... Great. I thought the the lyrics were a little weak, honestly. <laughs> and I was just like, eh. I'm like, all right, he's uh, you know, welcome to his opinion. Didn't hurt my feelings. Uh, didn't get me a paycheck, but you know, <laughs> everybody is uh, everybody is you know entitled to their own opinions. So got to be able to take the uh, take the criticism. If this show doesn't show that everyone's entitled to their own opinion, I don't know what does. <laughs> oh shit! Right? right? Okay. Okay, um, Fee, let's just end this thing. Uh, Silent Wind, what do you got? This song kind of took me on a trip, and, and to a point, it was my favorite track on the album. I was sitting there, I was like, this is fucking amazing. You know, great intro. I love this song so far. I was, I'm just writing notes as I listen, and, you know, good chorus, verse, solo's okay. I You know, I like the way it builds in the solo. And then... The, the just the tone of his voice on that last full lyric like not that like monkey sounding bullshit at the end but it's just so 
good. I was like, man, so rich. So like I could listen to that all day. Yep. And then, and then the circus comes to town and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. You took the best song on the album and you started, I, I don't even know what they did there. And then the, you know, the monkey sounds at the end. I'm like, oh, you ruined it. Yeah. You fucking See, ruined it. I, I was with you until the very last time I listened to it this morning with the headphones. And then I kind of like just said, okay, I'm going to concede to this ending. It's kind of like when Tyler was like, and all Walter thank that. I was like, all right, you know what? Let him have it. Fucking album. Right. They want to put the circus at the end. Put the circus. At least it was done well. It was it was right. musically, technically very, very mm-hmm. clean. It was greasy. Um yeah. yeah, I mean it it turned a it turned a playlist song into a just okay song for me. Yes. In, in that, agreed. Agreed. And, but as a as a music fan though, what is weird that you just said that is ringing in my ears is you said you could listen to this all day. So imagine if they had produced out that bizarre ending, right? Produced mm-hmm. up the track a little more just to make it a little more palatable and a little more hooky. And then they did this song 10 more times on the album. You've got a hit album that you're going to listen to every day. I'm all over it. Yep. I'm all over it too. I'm all mm-hmm. over it too. Dude, we've talked my score up considerably over the last hour. Okay. So now it is time to release the bonus track. <laughs> So, listener Phil Connors from the Pittsburgh area requested We Are an American Band by Grand Funk Railroad. I'm going to get it started on this. So, my notes read as follows. Oh, yeah, give me that cowbell. That fucking bass slaps. Those perfect 70s guitars. Verse, bridge, chorus, each better than the next. Then a mix of incredible vocals and lyrics. The only thing holding this track back just a little bit is the dated production. But I cannot excuse it as I have heard great production from bands of that time period. So my watt score for this song is 93.7 watts. This song fucking kicks ass. I love it. Uh, Dave, what do you got? All right. Classic from 1973. Well, it starts with drums, and actually the drummer wrote and sang this. Oh, wow. Uh, it is a top five cowbell song, all about partying and groupies. These guys know what's up. Uh, Three-chord rocker, not very complex, but this is uh, catchy like the clap these guys got from all those groupies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My score is 68. 68. Uh, you know what's funny, though, uh, Dave? For a song that, like, you know is known for the cowbell the cowbell really didn't sound very good like it wasn't the production on it was pretty fucking janky but it's uh, fine 70s it's, it's fine i feel like i went too high on this one i hope the other guys are a little closer to me uh ed go ahead yeah yeah you know it's it's an iconic song i think if you play an instrument i don't care what skill level you are at some point you learn the song um uh, because it's just it's iconic and they introduced the world to sweet sweet connie I yes mean, you know like they threw it in everyone's face i know she was mentioned here and there in other songs but she got famous from here um so yeah it, it's just i had a tough one with this because i've played it so many times i hate the song but i you gotta give credit for the song and uh i gave it a 75.6 
I want to justify my score. Like, this is what I'm thinking. Like, let's say Dave calls me up. And he's like, Des, I wrote and recorded a song in my studio. I want to send it over to you. Like, if he sent over American Band, I'd be like, dude, dude. Boom. Like, dude, this story. I mean, this track. I don't know. I don't know, yeah. man. I'm, I was Nailed impressed. Mm-hmm. I was Des, impressed. what was your score? 93.7. I was impressed. This is good. This is good songwriting. This is good songwriting. Uh, Fee, go ahead. I agree. This is great song songwriting. I love this song. Uh, uh, my only note here, outside of anything that you guys might have said, is that I'm sure every single one of you have played this in a band that you were in at one point or another, right? Never like played said, it. No? no? Not me. No. Wow. Wow. Wow, Ed, I know you've played it a thousand times, but yeah. I, like, I just figured like this would be like a go-to tune if you're in a, any cover band in the world that plays rock and roll music. You're playing this song at some point, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I love this song. Eighty-five. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, Ed, we please calculate those scores and give us the Watt score of American Band. All right, the Watt score for American Band is eighty point five seven. That is exactly where that belongs, and I'm glad I went a little high because if that had not been in the 80s, I think it would have been a shame. Okay, uh, Dave, please tell us where that lands this baby on the rigging vinyl bonus track, Wall of Fame. All right, that puts it at number two All right, on the bonus track chart. Uh, Queen's Fat Bottom Girls still has the top spot at number one. All right. I think the 70s are dominating the wall. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. Um, And Phil Connors, you are now immortalized on the Breaking Vinyl Wall of Fame. So, people, please go to the Facebook page and leave your suggestions for next week's bonus track. Okay, um, let's see. So, what was your favorite track on the album, and what track would you cut? For me, favorite song, Not Just for the Dead. Song I cut, the first one, The World Around Me. Uh, Dave, what do you got? Uh, my favorite track was Black Flag. Uh, at least it's kind of catchy. I would cut Dream My Life. Please let Doug do all the singing. Okay. Uh, Ed, what do you got? <laughs> Uh, my favorite song is uh, Lost in Germany, and the song I would cut is the Ooh song. Yeah, the Ooh song sucked. Uh, Fee, what do you think? <laughs> but it did have the good vocals. Yeah, it does. Uh, I would keep Black Flag as well. I think that's a great song, and my cut was not just for the dead, but the, it was kind of a toss-up between two or three songs. And You know, the other songs that you guys had mentioned were just, they could have been cut. Not because I hate them, but because I just... I don't know, indifferent towards them. Yeah, I felt the same way. I was indifferent towards a few of them. But you know what else? Like to maybe just A-B it with Black Flag. I thought that was a very good song, too. I, I'd listen to it again. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, quickly, let's do uh, band cut and replace. For me, I would cut Doug Pinnock on bass and vocals, and I would replace him with one sting. Yes, on bass and vocals. I think that would be pretty awesome. Uh, Dave, what do you got? All right, get rid of the fucking producer. Anybody yes. doing big albums at this time period could have done a better job. Uh, Brendan O'Brien with uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Terry Date with Pantera, Dave yes. Jordan with Allison Chains, or Bob Rock with Metallica. You name it, 
any one of them would have done a better job. Uh, failing that, we could replace the guitar player. Uh, they need a guy who can deliver hooks as well as play and sing. Uh, I got a guy. Uh, he lived down right down the street from me in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Uh, his name is Richie. Uh, he was oh. in a band once. Uh, oh. You ever hear of Bon Jovi? Yeah. Richie Sambora. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take Richie Sambora. That's a great pick. Wow. Uh, totally Richie, surprised. Richie Sambora, one of the most underrated musicians yes. going from that time. This motherfucker could sing Bon Jovi under the table. Without Richie oh, yeah. Sambora, John Bon Jovi is fucked. Mm-hmm. And his guitar solos... Really oh, good, man. Yeah. I, I love Richie Sambora. Love him. Uh, a bit of a drunk, yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, Fee. Uh, I'm sorry. Ed, what do you got? Uh, so I would actually replace uh, the drummer, Jerry Gaskill, with Ringo Starr. Ooh, nice. I think I think hearing the different beats that Ringo plays, I think would have added a lot of flavor to this band. Yeah, cool. I just didn't even notice the drummer, to be honest with you, which is usually a good thing. So, yeah, he was fine. He was like a piece of French bread with butter on it. Uh, <laughs> Fee, what do you got? Give us something good. You've been you've been coming with the fire lately on this segment. What do you got? Well, I hope this, this is good for you guys, but I watched that documentary, the I Want to Rock the 80s one, Ed, that you mentioned last week, and yep. I don't know. I kind of fell in love with this guy all over again as far as not only I, and you guys are probably going to shit on me for this, but that's okay. Uh, I felt like replacing Doug Pinnock with uh, Kip Winger because I felt he could do three things. He can play the bass, he can sing, and he can he can arrange a song. You know, I think I think Kip would be a good guy for this. You know what I don't like about that? It makes me feel dirty because I know I should hate Kip Winger. I can't, man. The dude is uber talented. Dude, I so know. Talented. I know. Because <laughs> it's like this dirty feeling. Like, I, I just, no, I don't want to talk about Kip Winger because I, <laughs> I like him and I hate him. No. He was a butthead made me think that he's bad. God, I hate him and I like him. And, and ah, Kip Winger. Fuck Kip Winger. But I love Kip Winger. Fuck Kip Winger. Okay. Let's do some final thoughts on this album. Uh, Dave. What do you got? Final thoughts on what score? Yeah, uh, this album isn't offensively horrible. Uh, I see why they're sort of musicians' bands, but I feel like that's also a nice way of saying they're talented but don't have hits in their pocket. Uh, Whoever this clown was that produced them did them no favors. Uh, If they sounded better, it would have been a better final product, even with no musical changes. Uh, But this is not for me. Uh, Final score is 46, uh, just on their talent alone. it, it, the bad production ruined it for him. I uh, rated this higher than the Foo Fighters, but not sure which one I'd rather be forced to listen to. Yeah. Uh, Ed, what do you got? Uh, so, this band is just, I don't know, maybe I when, when I hear this band, I hear maybe what should have been uh, when I hear them. And seeing them live... I think changes it too because I've seen them a boatload live. Uh, they're just so talented, so good. And I suggest everyone seeing them live. But uh, this album for me is an 80.1. I love that Dave's dog is fucking giving her fucking review. She's saying this thing's a dog. Diving <laughs> in. <laughs> uh, Fee, what do you got? 
overall, I can say I was kind of disappointed in this because I had such high hopes knowing the, the few songs that I know from them. And I was like, why didn't I just listen to these guys more back in the day? And I don't know why I didn't, especially hanging out with you, Ed. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why it didn't happen. And now I think <laughs> I kind of know why, you know, um, the, I was just disappointed. I, I felt like the, the album was very like written by AI almost. I don't know. It, it just didn't, didn't elicit any emotion with me. I, I felt mostly indifferent about this album, about a lot of the tracks. Um, 53. Okay. 53 uh, is fine. What? After talking through this album with you guys, I was going to go at it hard at the end. You know, I, I was going to just fucking tear it apart like a dingo going at a baby on the side of the road in fucking the movie <laughs> Suburbia. You know? But, <laughs> a dingo ate my baby. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You guys talked me up a little bit. Um, It's not as good as the Foo Fighters because it doesn't have the two hits and it's not as good as Hoobastang because again it doesn't have the two big hits and it's not polished as those two albums it's produced like fucking trash but I don't want to score it lower than those bands so since Dave and I had almost the exact same opinion of this album going all the way through and he gave it a 46 I'm going to raise my score from the 32.5 that I had written down and I'm going to give it a 42.5. I'm going to add another 10 points to it. I think 42.5 is fair. That's higher than I gave those other two bands because I can see the potential in King's X. And um, and I think these guys just suffered from poor management and poor production. So that's what I got. Okay. Uh, Dave. I'm sorry. Ed, please calculate those scores. Tell us where it... Uh, what kind of watt score this thing is pushing. All right. Unfortunately, you're all out of your goddamn minds. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the total watt score for King's X, King's X, which Seamus, if you write in, I've got your back, brother. We are going, this is just, it's a travesty. Okay. The watt score for this album is 55.4. That's pretty good. This should not have been below a 65. No, that's pretty good. 55.4 for an album that didn't have one fucking hit single on it. It's not bad. That means it's that means this is a little like we got to figure this way. If fifty is average, right? This is a yep. little better than average. Yeah, a lot better than a lot better is. than fucking my pick got last week. You guys fucking drugged that thing through the mud. Twenty, twenty. Okay, uh, Dave, please calculate the scores and tell us where this falls on the uh, breaking vinyl chart. All right. Well, this one comes in at number nineteen. Oh no. Out of 20. Um, Just under Dogs de Amour and just (laughs) over the Foo Fighters. Can you guys see me? Ah! (laughs) And that is why. Dogs de Amour is by far the biggest hunk of shit I've ever listened to. Dude. Yep. Baby, please don't go. Go. They had fucking zero hits on it. They had fucking choruses that I can still sing. I cannot sing. The only reason I know fucking. Because they can't sing them. Okay. 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 Uh, Dave, I'm excited for this. Uh, Please tell us, since you do have next week's pick, what album we will be digesting and breaking down next week. All right. Well, I'm doing it. We haven't done it yet. (laughs) Pulling the trigger on Kiss. I picked, which may be my favorite Kiss album, Rock and Roll Over. 
Yes. Yeah, rock and roll all over by Kiss. Oh, oh dude, you beat oh. me to the punch. I It's long overdue on this show. I will be wearing my rock and roll all over t-shirt. Nice. And I will be giving this an obscenely high score. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Ed just fucking walked out. He's like, no. I'm out. oh, nice. Yes. Oh, there it is. Excellent. There it is. Uh, Ed just held up his rock and roll all over. Uh, fucking the album. only Kiss album I have. <laughs> Will you be uh, reviewing this on vinyl? Uh, maybe. I do have that, yeah. uh, a good stack of vinyl, so. That would be cool. Oh, that's an awesome pick, Dave. I'm so glad, because this is finally an album that I think we're all looking forward to listening to. And Ed. Oh, I'm going to shit all over it. Ed. Ed. <laughs> Ed. I'm warning you. Do Kiss not. Is, Kiss do... is so overrated, it's ridiculous. No, they're not. Um, dude, 100%. I am. I am. Yeah, they only had, uh, you know, 50 fucking hit singles. Um, I so am, did Poison. Do not. Oh, you're breaking rules all over the place. Don't compare these guys with Poison and do not shit on Ace Freely or I will fucking have a problem with that. Oh my God. It's okay. going to be so good. All right, guys. Um, I want to thank the listeners for joining us. Please give us a five-star review on Apple. I know you're listening on Apple because I see you. It helps the podcast grow. If you have friends that like music, don't keep this gem to yourself. Share it. Share it, share it, share it, share it. We got to get this thing going bigger. Um, we had new listeners in a country. I can't remember what it was, but it was one of those obscure ones. <laughs> I'm surprised. Um, we are doing uh, Videodrome this week on Hey, did you ever see that movie? So if you'd like to hear us talk about James Wood sticking a videos tape in his stomach, please tune in. Uh, and until next week, I just have one question for you. Hey, did you? Nope, wrong podcast. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Dopes, take those albums out of the sleeve and let the music breathe. See you next time. See you. Adios. Oh, God.